This is Edge Cases. I'm Will French. Andrew has the night off. My guest tonight is Gus Mueller. I have this famous list of topics that I'm trying to get through before the mythical uh, episode 100, which I don't know if it would be the end of the series and the world or if this would be a meaningless big three-digit number. But um, Gus, you've been on my uh, list of of uh, people to talk to for a long time, and I actually have a variety of stuff I'd love to talk to you about. But uh, for but t- yeah, for um, t- go ahead. tonight's Coco Script, right? Tonight is Coco Script. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, I was uh, first. I want to say thank you for uh, JS Talk. Uh, I use it every day, and I, I actually literally use it every single day because uh, it turns out my my backup script is actually written in JS Talk. Oh, interesting! Because it does things like you know, I it, it kicks off a super duper, super duper backup, and so I want to do things like quit mail before I do that, and so and but I also want to like run curl scripts to download things and all this, and it's really like it's good for like using. Apple events to tell, like mail to quit and other apps to quit that if they're running, so I get a consistent snapshot. Okay. Uh, but it also integrates nicely with like Unix type stuff a lot better than AppleScript does. So yeah, you you actually wrote the um, the shell bindings for that. The, uh, I, I did. It was for yeah. this that particular purpose. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah, that was going to be my question. So <laughs> huh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and uh, I also use JS uh, Talk for uh, API exploring. Like if I'm trying to remember, like what's uh, what's this this one cocoa method return type stuff. I just and I basically have it running all the time, so I just can type it in and actually execute the method and see what's returning to me. So it's oh, so I'm awesome. big big fan. Yeah. So kind of uh, laying the groundwork for kind of the history of JS Talk before I actually talk about what JS Talk is. Um, so you and I have both really felt the pain of AppleScript. And uh, in, I, uh, in episode 13 of Edge Cases, uh, I, w- I went to a, a lot of detail of this, I, and the title of that is uh, Ap- of AppleScript's Glorious Failure. And <clears throat> it's, it's, just fr- it's painful both for users, and it's also painful for implementers. And I suspect you probably, uh, most of the drive for JS Talk was kind of the implementation pain, right? Right, yeah. I tried to, um, well, and, and I have successfully implemented um you know, AppleScript for my applications, but oh, it is such a pain in the butt to use and all these XML files and just trial and error and just opaque debugging and mm-hmm. it's just horrible. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much why I came up with JS Talk. Um, mm-hmm. And also sort of to uh, push Apple um, a little bit, I guess, to say, hey, you know, there could be some other great ideas out there. Why don't you steal from me? You know, <laughs> so that, that never happened, but yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad we have an alternative all these years because obviously it did not light the fire under their, their butt that like we'd helped. Um, but well, a funny thing, uh, a little tidbit I thought was uh, good for this show was that I forget which C4 it was, but I mean, it was like C4 1 or 2. It was the one where I, I did the AppleScript burial, where I was. And right oh. before I, <laughs> I went on stage, I'm like, oh, Gus, you know, I'm going to. Going to say AppleScript is dead, and uh, everyone should be using JS Talk. And you were saying, I just add AppleScript to support Acorn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, by the way, yeah, I'm doing that thing. But, you know, your customers ask for something, yeah. and you're, you you got to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I, I remember that C4 distinctly because all of a sudden my face was up on the screen. I was like, whoa, I did not know this was coming. <laughs> so that was pretty amusing. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Okay, so um, we let's uh, provide uh, now that we kind of talked about the reason for existence. Uh, we can talk a little bit about uh, what JS Talk is, and I, I know you've uh, spoken about it a few a few places. But I'm hoping that we can get into some of the technical nitty gritty here. But at the very high level, uh, just 
JS talk is essentially JavaScript plus square brackets. Would you say that's about fair? Um, just yeah, J- JavaScript plus, plus square brackets plus a uh, you know a bridge and plus a bridge. Right? right. Yes. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah so the idea here is that uh, you take you have a, a JS talk or uh, or uh, a Cocoa script, which we'll talk a little bit about the evolution of JS talk a little bit later. And the idea is that um, you know, much like you know, Objective C itself right, was born as a preprocessor, right? So you had the C language and the superset, and you would scan the source for the square brackets, and then it would rewrite into OPC message send. Um, <clears throat> the JS talk is similar; that it has a preprocessor. Yes, it um, it it turns all the square brackets basically into um, currently. Let's see, the last implementation of JS talk would um, convert those into. So it'd be uh, C string. I mean, like in a string, get C string length or whatever. It would add the underscores mm-hmm. to the um, method name. So it basically looks like JavaScript with underscores where your uh, colons would be mm-hmm. in your Objective C calls, and then those would get passed to the when when that's executed in um, JavaScript land. It'll um, talk to the bridge, and that'll get turned in, back into a selector. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had implementations that also. Um, the preprocessor will rewrite it to something like, uh, what did I call it? JST um, message send or something like yeah, that? JSOBC message send. Yeah, I have the code in front of me. Yeah. Okay, so, so it would uh, basically um, convert that selector into a, a string and then very similar to what Objective-C was originally doing. And that's what I want to do in the long run too. I just have not got the, um, the parser, the preprocessing part down um, bulletproof, I guess you could say. Yeah, because so. I guess there's, you know, first you take the colon delimited uh, method name, you turn it down to scores, and then the other side of the bridge is actually also turning, then reversing that transformation. So there's right. Yeah. So there's a bit of a little bit too much work going on, but you know it gets the job done. Currently. Oh yeah, yeah, and this is you know, this is not for super speed sensitive stuff. So that and, right, and yeah. Works, yeah. If you've got performance critical stuff, you don't want to write it in JS talk. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it's interesting in the code bases for in the current uh, head of both uh, JS Talk and CocoScript, there is uh, in the implementation that actually does the, the parsing of this stuff is uh, is a bool use message send equals no and then the next line is if use message send. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah there's still yeah the the yeah the parsing stuff is is uh it's got a lot of extra code. You can see my trials the various things I've tried. I should stick those in branches, but I just I'm not very good at branches. Well, I'm good at them. I just don't do them. So, um, so, uh, so JS Talk was kind of you know it was this idea that you had uh, uh, AppleScript was painful and and, and and different facets, but um, it kind of kind of uh, I don't know if you planned this from the get go, but it I I would say that um, it's. It got this really strong embeddable story where you can embed scripts, and um, <clears throat> I know both VoodooPad and Acorn and <clears throat> both really benefit from the uh, the actually being able to embed scripts in there. I don't know if like does Acorn actually ship with any like JS uh, Talk files in this app bundle? Yeah, it does. Um, okay. it, it installs one in the uh, plugins directory by default, and it um, I. I s- there's one or two. There's at least one I know there is because I wanted there to be an example script out there for people to be able to take and modify. So it ships with at least one, and and it was um, a plan from the beginning for it to be able to be you know embedded and so that people could write their own um, scripts. Because before I did JS Talk, I also um, played around with Lua. Oh, and you should know this because of the first C4 I yeah. gave a talk on this. Mm-hmm. So um, I sort of carried that forward into JS Talk and Cocoa Script. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Just because of, um, I guess, the popularity of JavaScript, and because it's it had has very much that C kind of uh, Java flavor to it. It's it's syntax is highly approachable to C programmers. Uh, not that Lua isn't, but um, yeah, it's, it is a really good fit for kind of the uh, kind of the Objective C coder's brain. Right, and I love Objective C, which is why I wanted a scripting language that. Uh, had brackets, you know. I just, you know, Objective C. I had a hard time learning it, but once I got it, I just instantly fell in love. Mm-hmm. So and so, it's it's almost like a little, uh, I guess, love note to Objective C. You could say. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, let's uh, walk through like the the exact uh, kind of timeline of. Uh, you have this uh, JS Talk script, right? And um, there was actually a JS Talk app, and it's actually on the App Store, right? Uh, I think I recently pulled it. Okay. Um, more recently, within the past year, but yeah, you could get it from the App Store. I should double check that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's some problems with 10.9 in it. You know, I think I did pull it. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's uh, JSTalk.app, and mm-hmm. uh, you can actually save. Uh, you can. It's a lot like AppleScript. I designed it um, to be, you know, very similar to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the run buttons yeah. and uh, uh, you know the clear as well. It's got a little console at the bottom and uh, and a little bit of syntax highlighting as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could actually save little applets as well uh, with the JS Talk Editor. Um, was it Save as Application? I believe is what it is. Uh, it is, yeah. And it is what that does is I just um, there's a little application wrapper within the bundle, and mm-hmm. it just copies that out and sticks the uh, uh, the script that you're editing into nice. the app bundle, and the app and that wrapper knows to execute the script that's in it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of handy. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what JS Talk is. Well, and you know, in the beginning. So. Right, right. That's at least the probably the easiest uh, way to approach the entire project is uh, go to jstalk.org, uh, download the binary there, and you've got an app that looks that's very approachable. Yep. Um, and so, uh, so this, so if I open up a new JS Talk editor window, at least in the version I have, um, actually has a little message end here to JS Talk application colon JS Talk editor display message message and it's like hello world essentially. Um, so it's actually uh, so. You have this these colons, and we already talked about how it gets. It, it, you have this preprocessor that that scans for the square brackets and rewrites it to be basically target dot selector. And so, but then that that's still then. So you have this rewritten JavaScript. So that ends up being executed by uh, JavaScript core, right? Uh, JS core, yeah. JS core. Yeah. No, wait. JS Coco is is the scripting is the. Oh, bridge. okay, okay. So this so that so you then so, hand it off to as JS Coco. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so JS Talk talks to JS Coco, um, and it's what sets up the uh, the virtual machine, the uh, JavaScript core virtual machine. So it handles the bridge, JS oh, Coco. Okay. okay, yeah, and uh, that was uh, originally written by uh, Patrick Geller, Geller, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I looked at for him on Twitter. He seems to have pretty much dropped off the face of the earth, which is unfortunate because uh, I really enjoyed his blog. Um, so hopefully he's doing fine out there. Um, <clears throat> and so JS. Coco is takes this this uh, this JavaScript as it were, and it knows how to talk to Coco, and it does so via Apple's bridge support, right? Yep. Yeah, and I think there's also like maybe some libffi type stuff there. Yeah. So if you want to call into C functions, um, you can't. I, yeah, C functions you, you just do it dynamically using libffi. Yeah. So I actually uh, did did a little bit of prep work for the show, and uh, I and libffi. I'll read it because Wikipedia actually has a pretty good uh, intro to uh, what libffi is for the people who haven't used it or haven't uh, heard of it. Uh, libffi is a foreign function interface library 
<coughs> excuse me. It provides a C programming language interface for calling natively compiled functions given information about the target function and runtime instead of compile time. It also implements the opposite functionality. LibFFI can produce a pointer to a function that can accept and decode any combination of arguments defined at runtime. So this is exactly what you want for a scripting type language, where you, you have this C binary, the C code base that you want to call into, and you don't know what the user's typing in until the user actually hits the run button. And now at runtime, you need to actually figure out how to build up your stack to call this arbitrary C thing. Yep. Yeah, so libffi is uh, used by a number of projects, uh, JS Coco, uh, even used in uh, Mocha, um, which we'll talk a little bit about later, uh, Ruby Coco. Um, Pyopsy. Pyopsy, yeah, yep. So then, so it's a it's a fantastic um, a little uh, open source library. It has a very uh, liberal license, and they even got it working on iOS, which I was surprised because iOS has this thing where uh, usually how libfi works is that it builds these trampolines at runtime, uh, and it kind of makes sense if you understand how you have to if there's and there's basically not information to do at a compile time. You have to do some things at runtime or to to get this all to work, and. Um, and uh, these trampolines are basically our executable code that gets kind of built on demand. And, of course, that's exactly what you can't do in iOS, at least if you want to get into the App Store. And so do you, do you know the trick, how, how they uh, pull this off, Gus? Uh, they, they mark uh, – on OS ten, I believe they mark some of it as executable, but you can't do that on iOS. Right, and right. Uh, they yeah. There's like a limited number of yeah. Uh, go ahead and I, I, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, this is great. This is because uh, uh, I thought this is how they were doing it. I wasn't 100 percent sure, but um, I took a look at it, and from my cursory glance, it looks like this is how they're doing it. Is that they have this uh, one big file um, in their um, in their project, which is basically it's they <clears throat> this is like the same three lines of code repeated. Uh, probably a thousand times, like probably ten, twenty-four times, <laughs> uh, where they fill. They have this page, essentially, it's a code page that is nothing but grab the address from the page before me, or maybe the page after me, or something, and jump to it. And so the idea here is that then they can store an index and jump to it, and they and uh, then they can have a page. So they have a, basically a data page that they can point at arbitrary things and kind of build up the data they they need. But and that's that doesn't need to be executable. And uh, they use this basically this page of jump. It's a jump table page essentially that can be statically compiled and code signed and all that. Okay. Uh, who would, I think the guy who um, the new language in you. Um, yeah, you knew. Yeah. Isn't he the one who got it working on iOS? Oh, well, you know oh, what? God. Tim Burks. Uh, I wouldn't. Tim be surprised. Burks. Yeah, that's. I was trying to remember his name. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, so. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one who got it working. He's definitely, definitely a smart guy. Yeah, libfi FFI is really, really, really neat. I actually started working on my own bridge at one point to replace JS Coco and JS Talk. Yeah, and I got to the libffi stop. And as a self-taught programmer, I didn't have to deal with, you know, registers and making space on the stack or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. And and working with libfi was very, very educational. <laughs> like a lot of things, all of a sudden started clicking. I was like, oh, oh, that's how this works. How these, you know, and stacks and just all kinds of other stuff. It's like, oh, you have to make room for the return variable and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's, it's very, very, I reckon, if you're a self-taught programmer or if you're just interested, I recommend you to check that, check it out. Just write some little test project to use a libffi because it's really, really, really neat. Yeah, if I remember your little programming ba- background, you actually kind of uh, approach it more from the pragmatic side than from the ground up type stuff. And so you probably never had a, never had reason to actually write like assembly or something like that. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. That was actually I hadn't considered that, but libfy probably would be a good way to learn kind of the ins and outs of of the runtime application binary interface yes, uh, without yes. actually having to learn assembly. Which is not, yeah. not that hard, but it's still on my it's still on my bucket list. <laughs> you know, I, I was. Um, like I said, this is, you've been on my uh, radar to talk about this for a while, and I purposely have not bugged you about it because, man, you're kicking out Acorn releases, and I want you to keep on flying. So <laughs> I'm fine with you not learning assembly. That's all I can keep on pumping out Acorn releases. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Okay, so I know that uh, you have a you stand on the shoulder of giants here. So we talked a little bit about how you're using JS Coco and which uses libffi. Um, a few other dependencies that how JS uh, Hawk works is that you use a Todd Dichendorf's uh, TD parse kit. Yes, uh, I, I, you definitely use that for the preprocessor. I think you do. You also use it for the syntax uh, highlighter. Yeah, since it you know basically is doing the same sort of job. Mm-hmm. So wait, actually, is that true? Oh no! You know, I'm. I'm. I don't think it is. Oh, I yeah. think I. No, I do. I do. I do. Now, now that I'm staring at Coco Script right now, and I'm just trying to remember how I implemented. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I do use the um, his parsing code for that as well. Mm-hmm. So. And then uh, for the uh, code view itself, you're using uh, Paul Kim's uh, noodle line number view. Right. That yeah. was pretty handy. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty handy. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I think that. Uh, I forget. I didn't didn't uh, click through the, his blog posting about that, but I'm I seem to remember that it was he uses that in Hazel, which is a, a great app yeah. and a really powerful app. You know, it has like this deceptively simple kind of like I will clean up files for you type thing, and I I wouldn't be surprised if this thing isn't Turing complete because this thing can, <laughs> can do well. I know it bed scripts, but I mean just by itself it seems Turing complete. It's pretty. You can do all sorts of stuff with it. Um, and then you also use uh, Mike Ferris's uh, text extras, which I guess are this utility type things. Yeah, so I, I use those um, in order just to make better syntax. I mean, uh, code editing things. You know, like uh, um, selecting multiple lines and oh, tabbing okay. and, and stuff like that. So okay, great. Yeah, great. Mike Ferris worked on Xcode for a little while, or probably Project Builder it was at the time, mm-hmm. I believe. So, and uh, he had a lot of editing ideas, and he just pushed code out there. So, oh, great. he used to write an input manager, I believe it was, oh, so that you could have all that stuff yeah. on in your apps and mm-hmm. all your apps. But, well, we know what happened to those. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> because of the likes of me. Um, <laughs> okay, so, so, that, so this is uh, so that was kind of like the JS Talk era of Cocoa Script. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, on iDeveloper Live sixty five which rhymes apparently, um, you talked to Scotty, and I was very excited when this, that episode came out because I knew, I think I was like, look at your GitHub activity, and I saw things happening. And uh, I believe at the time you were just calling it straight-up Mocha or something like that. Yeah, um, so I, I um, stopped using, well, Mocha is a bridge by Logan Collins, who um, is, uh, is, I you know, I've only met him a couple of times, but from his code, he seems pretty brilliant. Yeah. Um, so he wrote this uh, a great bridge, which is basically the same as JS Coco, mm-hmm. only it sheds things like uh, it It doesn't worry about garbage collection, whereas JS Coco uh, worried about garbage collection. Sure. And it also did things in, a, um, I guess, in a way that I'm more familiar with. Um, JS Coco was a bit more spaghetti code, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, um, which I... You know, could be seen as a rip, but I write spaghetti code too. But uh, <laughs> Mocha, Mocha was clean, and Mocha is nice. And it's actually he um, his latest updates. He made it Arc as well, yeah. Arc compatible. Mm-hmm. So um, 
So I saw that and I was like, whoa, I'm going to use this stuff because it, it just made a lot more sense to me. Um, so in about the same time, I got the idea of, well, maybe it was a little bit after, um, I decided to abandon the JS talk name because nobody really kind of got it. Do you want to go into this right now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Or, okay. So um, the idea of calling it JS talk was, um, you know, I wanted to write an Apple script replacement so apps would talk to each other. So mm-hmm. that's why it was called JS talk. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really the way it was ever used, though. Um, it was used as, you know, plugins and acorns or writing your little backup scripts and mm-hmm. just all kinds of things like that. And not so much talking to um, many different applications or applications talking to each other. So, um, and I mostly use it for uh, these days for prototyping and tests. Mm-hmm. So, I thought CocoScript would be a better name because really that's what it is. You look at it and it looks like Coco, mm-hmm. but it's scripting, mm-hmm. you know? So, I just thought that was a better name. So, I took the Mocha Bridge um, mm-hmm. by Logan and I stuffed it into a, it, it, it replaced JS Coco. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything else has stayed the same. Um, I probably messed with the preprocessor a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and going forward, it's going to be CocoScript. Yeah, the interesting so. thing about Mocha is that it is overall a more modern code base. Um, <clears throat> it uh, supports ARC, as you, as you mentioned, and it also supports iOS. So yeah, it, yeah it's totally feasible to have uh, CocoScript f- files. I don't know what extension you're giving those, but dot, uh, .coscript. Dot .coscript, okay, there you go. So yeah. dot .coscript files in your uh, iPhone applications bundle and uh, execute those because uh, you know you can embed Lua scripts and we so you can embed uh, Cocoa script files as well. Um, <clears throat> the so I would say with, with I'm glad you brought up the, the reason for the name change all that because it's definitely the Cocoa script seems to be essentially kind of a, a declaration of kind of the, the change of focus, uh, the change of emphasis for the project. And so I think it works pretty well, and especially if you're ripping out the engine underneath and replacing it with something, it's probably a good time to to re- rename it. Uh, you know, new engine underneath and new marketing campaign on top of it. Yeah, not much marketing though. Cause <laughs> I've, I've I've got the domain name, but I have not. Um, I've got CocoScript.net, I believe, or maybe even .com, but I have not pushed anything up there. You know, busy busy pushing out applications. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's so. good. Yeah, you can't be blamed. Yeah, you're shipping yeah. stuff that that has a much wider audience than what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I believe um, – so th- I'm pretty sure that uh, JS Coco also used the um, – there was um, – the JavaScript core, like, it had APIs, but they were uh, C APIs that allowed you to define classes and do callbacks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and But new in uh, iOS 7 and macOS 10.9 is a new um, Objective-C interface to this, which is much yes, higher I, level. I was very excited about that when it came out and then eventually disappointed but, oh, disappointed. How so? Yeah. Well, it it um the way you have to you put special little um parameters in your header files. Um it says, "Okay, these these methods are are these yeah, these methods are exposed to the runtime." Whereas um I want I want everything just to be automatically exposed. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, a kind of drag. Okay. Yeah. I did notice that there were apparently some uh, syntactic differences between uh, CocoScript and JS Talk. Uh, you added a at, at import there. And I think you pretty much added that oh, be- before. Yeah, that's been really recent. Yeah, did you actually add, add that before Apple claimed its own at import there, or is that did you get oh, the inspiration? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I forget the whole modules thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So this no, Apple probably beat me to it, but I was not thinking of that at the time. Um, I think I was. It's just sort of a copy of, uh, um, you know, the include, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so, 
I didn't, that hadn't occurred to me, or maybe it is, and I've forgotten about it. But yeah, the idea of import. Um, so JS Talk and CocoScript also, you can, um, when you run a script, there's a global variable in there called either CocoScript or JS Talk, which is just basically the, uh, the runtime engine. And you can call include um, an Objective C method called include, and you pass a string. But the problem is, is that when you do that, um, it'll parse it and everything. JavaScript core is not reentrant. Mm. So, you know, I'm calling outside and saying, okay, execute this code, and it's, you know, it's, it's bad. Whereas, mm. So I re- it seems to work, mostly work all the time, but occasionally I'll get strange crashes. Mm. So that's where I came up with import. And um, import um, happens when you parse the file. So there's no reentrancy problems involved. Oh, gotcha. So that's, that's why that happened. Okay. And then another little thing as I was walking the code base was that I noticed that you have some pretend primitive types where you now rewrite, like if you do, in JavaScript, it's always like var, whatever, var that, var this, yeah. that. Um, but now you can do things like int and double. And, and CG float and float. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and it ends up this, being rewritten to this var. But essentially, right. it's poor, really poor man's typing because there's no real type checking there. But at least, is it, was this to make it copy and pasteable? Yeah. So, because <laughs> I, I do a lot of prototyping, um, you know, in JS Talk or CocoScript or whatever I call it now. And um, yeah, I, it's just nice to be able to copy and paste stuff from there into Acorn. And so. uh, yeah, I have to say that um, uh, that JS Talk, because of the C influence and uh, the JavaScript, you know, the JavaScript being influenced by C languages, that it looks very much like Objective C. And, you know, and, Quite often, I will just copy and paste it and, pay, and paste it into a, you know a prototype something out in jstalk.app and uh, paste it into my xcodes.m file and then you know annotate the variables and it's good to go. Yep. Yeah. So it's good to see that you're that you definitely have this in mind and you, you know that adding some conveniences to allow this type of stuff. Yeah. So I, I want to make it easy for developers. You know, it's it's really a developer scripting language. I mean, plenty of end users use it as well, but that's it's kind of what its primary focus is these days. Mm-hmm. Especially, that's the way I'm mostly using it. So, yeah, that's what's happening. And so, do you, I know that uh, most of your focus nowadays is on the Mac and on Acorn. But um, so, how long do you think we're going to have to wait on iOS to get real inter application communication? Do you think that's an iOS 8 type thing? Or do you think. You know, I, I'm kind of surprised we haven't had it yet. And it's got to be on the radar and it's got to be real soon. It's probably just a matter of priority, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Uh, supposedly, there's like certain aspects of thing where you call into system functions and you're actually invoking XPC processes and all this on on your behalf. This, Apple's hiding that all in the scenes for you. So there's definitely infrastructure for that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, speaking of XPC, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good segue here. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so distributed objects, which is uh, is how uh, JS Talk. Does intra-application communication, and you and I both know that it's it's not long for this world. And, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that 10.9 actually didn't shoot in the head yet. But I'm, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if 10.10 doesn't. Um, it's it, just about goes, goes all the way to the, to the next years, and it hasn't been changed too much. And it has you know it has a few bodies in the backyard, but uh, overall it's been a pretty much a workhorse technology. But um, XPC uh, is Apple's new replacement for it. And I talked about this in Edge Cases episode 15, The Brave New World of Interprocess Communication. 
And uh, so they introduced this new XPC API in 10.7, and it, this is a C API, and it was pretty, pretty raw. I mean, it's pretty low-level type stuff. Uh, but fortunately, now in uh, 10.8 and later, they have NSXPC connection. Have you had a chance to look at any of that? Yeah, I, I've used it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, oh, um, yeah. Did, did you actually use any XPC services? Yeah, in Voodoopad I did um, oh, okay. for the web server. I bundled oh. that into its own process, oh, so okay. and the communication would happen back and forth. I don't remember if I used – this was new in 10.7? Yeah. yeah, I must have used the new stuff then. Um, yeah. Oh, wait. The, the no. C API was in 10.7. The, the, the NS wrapper for it was in 10.8. 10.8. Okay, so I use the C stuff um, for uh, for Voodoopad because that was 10.7. But I think with Acorn, I've played around with it because it would be neat to have like plugins out of process. And I'm pretty sure I was using the... Uh, um, the new 10.8 stuff. Okay, good, good. So. Yeah, it was, um, X, you know, uh, XPC, the C API, it was all about, like, moving over primitive data. It even had those, it wasn't even, like, plist based. It had this own, like, weird primitive things uh, for building up data structures type stuff for yeah. security reasons for, for something. Um, NSXPC connection uh, automates pretty much all that. And I was surprised to look into it tonight before I called you was um, it actually it's uh, it actually has a, it seems to have extensive marshalling capabilities to the point where you can say pretty much like in distributed objects where you say this isn't the object I want to vend for the service and then it will do all the, the marshalling and uh, of the parameters and the results for you and basically kind of like the NS invocation type stuff. Uh, NSXPC connection will do that for you. There's like a an NSXPC listener type thing. You can export an object and you can call it. Um, so it's a lot more high level than I thought it was. So um, the main problem I see with it is uh, it's really meant to be used as you're using it, where you ha- kind of have a, like a par- parent-child relationship. Yeah. Um, arbitrary interprocess communication seems to be a way that Apple does not want to go. Right, yeah. so it's it's not like it's a one to many. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, when you fire up JS Talk, and I'm sending, you know, I'm using it to control mail.app and and uh, tell Chrome to write all tabs to a file. So if I lose all my tabs, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's all. That's kind of a many to many type thing. That, but um, XPC is not set up for that. There is a thing concept called application groups that allow basically. Um, applications from the same vendor to all communicate amongst each other. But that's kind of the random, everyone sending messages to each other uh, seems to be not the way that Apple wants to go. There is a workaround where you can apparently have a, basically a LaunchD service that can be a kind of a man-in-the-middle type thing, which, which sounds like pretty much exactly the type of thing that Apple doesn't want to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being you know something that you need to be code-signed for later or maybe need to root for that. Um, it, I suspect what will happen in 10.10 or maybe 10.11 is that uh, you'll have a in, – in the – what is that? The, the, in the system pref panes, the house with the, with the combination combo lock on it, uh, the oh, security right, tab. Yeah. Um, I suspect you know, it, more and more stuff has been migrated into there. Uh, and now with like um, – uh, what is it? The user – the accessibility type stuff where you have to – each app has to opt in. Type stuff. I suspect we probably will see that where applications kind of have to opt in to be uh, and do the many to many kind of free for all type stuff. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, <laughs> what do you think? <clears throat> um, that, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad way to get. Well, I mean, from a, from Apple's perspective, that wouldn't be a bad way to go. It'd be annoying for us, but 
Yeah. Um, that, I guess, it, but it's, what does um, AppleScript run on top of? Is it just mock? Yeah, well, like uh, ports? Uh, yeah, the, you know, yeah, pretty much what everything on Mac OS X has to boil down to mock ports, right? Yeah, but, but, but yeah, but yeah, then it's all Apple events there, and yeah, is it basically this they structure some payload into mock messages? Yeah, of course, of course, AppleScript is locked down too with sandboxing anyway, so right. yeah, that wouldn't. That's not a way out either. So. There, I saw that, and I actually totally forgot about this until I was reviewing. Um, <laughs> I found this by accidentally uh, grepping some class dump of Foundation, but uh, the uh, I forgot about the uh, NS user script tasks. Do you do you know anything about this? Uh, this is the one that's outside the sandbox. Yeah, yeah, it's basically kind yeah. of like the power box model type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, Apple's way of kind of making nice with user scripting on 10.8 and later. Um, that's will play with the app sandbox. And there's, uh, I guess, the, probably the kind of the generic abstract class is NS user script task, and then there's uh, NS user Unix task, NS user Apple script task, and NS user automator task, which are, I guess, the concrete implementations of the things you actually probably end up working with. Which I'm a little bit concerned about because I mean, how would something like CocoScript actually fit into there? Would that actually, I imagine, maybe NS user Unix task? Yeah, well, um, I suppose so. I mean, it would, there's also an automator action for a JS talk where you can run. Go, but of course, it's I don't know what if that's in a sandbox itself. As I guess it must not be. So well, I'm sure it's possible. I haven't looked into it, mm-hmm. but it's got to be possible. Right. I didn't realize that there was the. Um, I guess I didn't know about the um, Unix one, but uh, I didn't know Automator was included in there as well. So. I, I think I was looking at the uh, the implementation of the Automator action for a JS talk, and don't you pretty much just call the NS uh, JS task? Uh, I'm sorry, the JS talk binary in that one. Uh, oh, you mean the um, user bin? Or? Yeah, yeah. No, because I can't. I don't. That would require the person the customer to install that okay and I, I can't so it i embed um what would you call it the just the chase talk framework sure, in sure. There, that, I believe. that makes a lot of sense yeah so mm-hmm. okay so yeah so uh this uh coco script right now is is live in acorn 4.3 at least so is that was it in there earlier than this uh i don't believe so um Actually, it might have. It might have been in 4.2. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely there in 4.3. Okay, and so that so 4.3 is probably the first version that actually ends up using Mocha instead of JS Coco? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. And in, in, as far as I know, there have been no problems with it. So I, I added a bit of compatibility layer to it um, so that if you're still calling certain JS talk functions or classes, those are still around. Um, they just extend. A lot of things were just renamed. Mm-hmm. Um, so your script should just keep on working. Generally, well, that's pretty impressive that you were able to rip out this fundamental underlying technology and go with something totally new, and everything is pretty much just yeah. keep tugging along. Yeah, I, I guess I should say uh, Sketch, um, the uh, the illustration app, yeah, um, also uses JS Talk, mm-hmm. and they're switching over to JS Coco, and I know they're running into a couple of problems. Um, they're switching sorry, over to JS Coco. They're switching from sorry, sorry, from <laughs> JS Talk to a, a Coco script. Okay, and uh, there's a couple of things that. Um, which I'm going to get fixed, I believe. Um, just some weird JavaScript stuff that worked fine with JS. That was more JS Coco bridge specific versus mm. Mocha specific. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were calling log and um, on in in uh, 
in CocoScript, it's print, you know, mm. but it's easy enough to alias, you know, a log method to print and yeah, yeah. get that stuff to work. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess there, there are a few, a few hiccups in there, but as far as I know, Acorn didn't run into any. So, okay. Okay. so the, so the, um, bottom line here is that it's definitely ready for prime time as it probably yeah. needs a little bit more of a kind of a calling out as, Hey, this is actually for real type stuff that this yeah, is, probably. yeah it's the the commits on the the github page don't make it clear whether or not this is something that's actually real but i figured if it actually landed acorn 4.3 it probably is real yeah yeah it's real enough for me and i think i might have put it in Voodoo, into VoodooPad too before um i pushed it off mm-hmm. before plausible acquired it mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it, i i think it's ready for prime time as much it, as much as js talk was Okay. <laughs> so, it, it, so I, I consider it more stable too. There were some interesting bugs that were in uh, just talk as well. Some runtime issues. Um, so if you're running it in a long-term process, you know, like Acorn or whatever, mm-hmm. you would eventually run into a couple of um, errors. I guess you could call them. So mm-hmm. which don't see, which I managed to fix okay. on Mocha. Yeah, I know that you you have a fork on GitHub for uh, Mocha. Is, do you have to uh, modify it heavily there, or is that? Um, I I there were a couple of things that I uh, changed. I don't remember what they are off the top of my head. But it's okay, um, we have Git commits for these. Yes, yes, but um, Logan, um, you know, he took them, no problem. So and he's actually uh, expressed interest at least a year ago. You know, and maybe adding uh, the brackets into the um, Mocha bridge. Oh wow! So that'd okay. be interesting. So yeah, yeah. I just so. haven't gotten around to a. Uh, you know, making anything to push over there yet. So, mm-hmm. okay. And <clears throat> so, uh, I know that you don't have any iOS apps anymore. But um, so, what do you, what do you think of the feasibility of using CocoScript in an iOS app today? Um, I guess it's possible. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's there are applications. That, do you know what processing is? The JavaScript. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's there's some apps out there that do stuff with processing mm-hmm. on. On uh, on iOS, which mm-hmm. is interesting, and I could see some stuff like that for uh, um, JS Talk. Mm-hmm. What is it, Pythonista? Pythonista? There's this is another. Um, it's a Python scripting um, app on iOS, and mm-hmm. I could see something along those lines with mm-hmm. um, CocoScript as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any plans to bring it over there right now, sure. but maybe someone else wants to. That'd be neat. <laughs> so. Okay, so uh, I guess we should mention that uh, we've been talking a lot about Acorn. Uh, so the name of your company is uh, Flying Meat, and Flying Meat, yes, yes. Uh, they can go to flyingmeat.com to to uh, look at this awesome scriptable uh, with CocoScript image editor that I I won't say I use every day because I I'm not too much of a graphics guy. But um, you know, thanks to you, I don't have to have a Photoshop on my system. I really appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so. uh, you have a blog, uh, Shape of Everything, and I've really been enjoying your little uh, monthly updates. Is that kind of uh, cracking the whip on yourself because you feel like you should be blogging more? Yeah, a bit of that, and it's also you know I'm I'm doing little things every day mm-hmm. and. And they all sort of add up, and it's, I like to see the big picture just for myself, mm-hmm. you know. So that's sort of what that's about. Mm-hmm. And so, um, flying meat. Uh, I know that uh, you, you now you you handed off uh, Voodoo Pad to Plausible. Um, so Acorn pretty much is your full time day job now, right? Yep. And I, ma- I imagine that feels good. Yeah, it's it's nice being able to focus. I mean, I also love bouncing back and forth between other applications, but um, and it's. it's 
yeah, it's just pretty nice not having to worry about. I I I needed to give Voodoo Pad more love than I had time to, mm-hmm. so it's nice not having to worry about that. Mm-hmm. So. And had you actually considered on doing like the Omni Group thing and this like building out a big massive uh, a bunch of employees to you know, build I, your I've empire? I've had employees in the past, but mm-hmm. uh, um, I, it turns out I'm a really bad manager and I generally hate people, <laughs> so so I got rid of. Um, the people I had, and I, I'm just enjoying doing it alone. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you, you appreciate. <laughs> so that's why we program, right? Because we hate people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I can sit in my little cave and type. And nobody bothers me. There so. you go. And uh, and uh, but your wife helps you too, right? Yeah, she's actually um, she helps out with support, and mm-hmm. she's pretty much the. Mm-hmm. Chief financial finance uh, CFO of Flying Me. So <laughs> great. She writes all the paychecks and does all that stuff mm-hmm. too. So oh wow, this keeps you focusing on Xcode there, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Okay. And uh, you recently moved as well. Yeah. So um, I I moved from just north of Seattle to just north of Seattle. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> basically changer. moved. Yeah, yeah. So I I previously lived in Everett, Washington, and I moved about uh, eight miles west to Muckleteo. Mm-hmm. Washington. I'm glad, Two places. I'm glad I got you to pronounce that. On yeah. The oh, okay. Yeah, Muckleteo. It's it's a fun little town. It's only got one zip code too, so it's pretty small too. Um, yeah, places I'm sure the listeners have never heard of, but mm-hmm. it's 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 a nice area. And so, did you want to move kind of a more of a country type place? Yeah, it's it's not really out in the woods. It's actually, I guess, just as dense. Well, maybe a little bit less dense than Everett. But, you know, we moved here for the, uh, a better school district for our little daughter. And also, um, we just wanted a more unique house, which we definitely got now. Okay. So. okay, great. And I guess finally I should mention that you are on Twitter as uh, CC Gus. Yeah, I'm pretty much CC Gus everywhere. I stick with that ID. <laughs> uh, and I guess you, uh, with all the uh, pro- GitHub projects I've been mentioning, uh, you also are CC Gus, of course, on GitHub. Yep. Okay, and so uh, for bold new plans for CocoScript, it's pretty much just getting the word out, it sounds like. Yeah, just let people know about it, and if people have ideas, you know, let me know. We can see about implement- implementing them. Implementing them. Um, I should also mention that there is a plugin architecture for uh, CocoScript as well, oh, so okay. if you have ideas that uh, you want to... Uh, just automatically pop into this, you know, the editor and stuff. You can do that. Mm-hmm. So, so. Uh, we, we were talking a little bit about the, the change of uh, emphasis there. Does that also mean that uh, you don't want CocoScript to kind of go with the interprocess communication type route of JS Talk and JS Talk kind, kind of that's its bag? Or would you be interested in getting uh, pull requests that add XPC support? Oh, yeah. Pull requests with XPC support would be awesome. <laughs> so it's it's not something that I need personally right now. Mm-hmm. So is why it's not a focus mm-hmm. um but if someone wants to do it and it works then yeah i i would be happy to integrate that in okay so. well thanks so much and uh thanks for uh coming on the show gus oh, no problem it's been fun <laughs> <laughs>